What up, Rinku Army, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I'll be going over night one of the Road to Dantaku series. And in the preceding podcast episodes, you guys will be hearing about night two and night three, along with any backstage comments and general comments I have about the matches and the stories that New Japan Pro Wrestling are presenting us before we head to Wrestling Dantaku 2021, May 3rd and May 4th. As always, thank you for supporting the Square Circle podcast and listening to these episodes. I hope that they bring value into your life somehow. And so with that, let's get started with night one. Night one happened on April 10th, and this is probably my favorite night of the series so far, just because of how the card was structured, who was on the card, and how great, in general, United Empire has been dominant on this Road to Dantaku series. And it's been refreshing. Bullet Club is usually on top. And I've explained in multiple previous podcast episodes why Bullet Club is always on top and why you guys got to pay attention to the details. And it's not only just surface level when it comes to Bullet Club, it is also underneath those surface layers of why Bullet Club is still in demand and why Bullet Club is still the strongest faction in New Japan Pro Wrestling ever since forming in 2013. United Empire is an extremely new team, but they act very cohesive. And that may be because they have less members than Bullet Club, but that shouldn't be an excuse. Whether it's four members or 16 members within a faction, Everyone will have their own goals, and I do like the Bullet Club approach or the Jay White approach that he doesn't control what the other members do, but when it comes down to it, they really do act like a cohesive team, and I'm talking about Bullet Club, when it's really needed. They all step up. As far as United Empire goes, they're a cohesive team because all of them work to their strengths. And all of them work to make sure that either the ring is cut off in half or that they are dominating their opponent and making sure that the legal guy in the ring is definitely not going to kick out of that beautiful finisher that allows the United Empire to get the victory. United Empire is definitely making a strong case during the Road to Dantaku series, whether they win, lose or draw to eventually have the huge battle against Bullet Club. I would definitely love to see United Empire taking on Bullet Club. We will get there eventually, but I'm supposed to be talking about night one of the Road to Dantaku series. It does include a elimination match, which was the main event of LIJ versus United Empire. Let's start from the top of the card, because that's what I usually like to do. Start from the top of the card to go all the way down to the main event. So night one opens up with a Young Lion match. We have Gabriel Kidd taking on Suji. And I've said in past podcast episodes that the Young Lions that they have at New Japan Pro Wrestling currently are my favorite. The three of them are my favorite. Gabriel Kidd, Suji, and Yuya. They are going to go to great places after they graduate from the dojo. I don't know when their graduation is going to be, but it's definitely long overdue. All three of them have unique 
individual talents and personalities that play off each other very well and they complement each other very well the time that I've been covering their matches and being their cheerleader, so to speak, especially during the New Japan Cup is a testament that these guys are ready, even if the dojo doesn't think that they're ready yet. But I really do think that they're ready to branch out and become their own man rather than staying as young lions. Just for the record, for this match of Gabriel Kidd versus Suji, I got super excited when I saw that that was going to be the opening contest on the match. So this match was really good. And you guys know that I am a fan of technical wrestling more than I am of the high-flying spot fest of matches. I would only enjoy high-flying and spot fest of matches if it makes sense if it needs to be there if it doesn't need to be there i am all for chain wrestling mat wrestling technical wrestling whatever you want to call it as long as there's story within the match while you're wrestling i will be okay but if it's just nonsense and useless flipping that doesn't make any sense or not gonna put away an opponent and just looks flashy well, how am I supposed to get emotionally involved in the match and behind your character to cheer you on, to boo you, and definitely to talk about it on this podcast? Gabriel Kid and Suji did a wonderful job in this match. They started out with chain wrestling, and sometime later after the chain wrestling, Suji applies a regular leg submission to Kid. And then Gabriel Kid comes in with a beautiful drop kick. Gabriel Kid does a wonderful textbook dropkick that looks amazing and then Gabriel Kid goes for his combination attack of a shoulder tackle and then the senton and he tries to cover Suji Suji kicks out at two then they do the forearm exchange and Suji comes in with a spear to Gabriel Kid. Suji then comes in with the Boston Crab submission on Gabriel Kid. And while Gabriel Kidd fought valiantly to get out of the hold any which way he can, Suji applies it a little bit more stronger and Gabriel Kidd taps out to Suji, which slightly broke my heart. I was hoping for a Gabriel Kidd victory. There's nothing against Suji. I love Suji. Suji is super adorable and he's going to have a wonderful career. And I want to see Suji versus Naito sometime down the line. And I get it that sometimes it might be difficult to choose who's going to be the winner, who's going to be on top. Because obviously we'll have another Jay White and David Finley situation where you take two of the best young lions of New Japan Pro Wrestling, give them a grand stage like Kirk and Hall or any of the other venues and let them do what they need to do. And over time, they will always wrestle each other because they can tell a great story because they're both at what they do and they bring in fans and emotions and money and everything that makes up the great story that they're able to tell. That's what I sort of think when it comes to Gabriel Kid versus Suji, that they'll have a nice little series going for a good while. And I just need to see Gabriel Kid get more wins under his belt. He has a lot of years of experience under his belt as well. And I think that sometimes in cases of when he loses, it's a matter of what can he do better to get the victories? My only advice would be that Gabriel Kidd needs to stop being humble 
and you can hear how humble he is during his backstage comments. And I know that he's one hell of a fighter. Hell, he lasted in the ring with Zack Zaber Jr. Not once, but twice. The first time around was at WCPW for the internet title match in 2017, where Gabriel Kidd lasted 24 minutes with Zack Zaber Jr. And then the second time that they meet is in the New Japan Cup of 2021 in New Japan Pro Wrestling, lasting about maybe 30 minutes, lasting about maybe 30 minutes at least. So if you can hang in the ring with Zack Zaber Jr., who calls himself a technical wizard, and is definitely one of the best out of Britain and is definitely one of the best technical wrestlers. I'm not going to take anything away from him, even though he's not one of my favorites. But the fact of hanging with him in the ring for two different occasions says a lot. That definitely says a lot about Gabriel Kidd and the potential that he can reach. The potential that he can reach in this business, the heights that he can go, it's just a matter of stop being humble and go get what's yours because you trained for so long that eventually you just accept what's given to you. You just accept those losses and try to figure it out. I think I figured it out. And it comes back to me reading Gabriel Kidd's blog entries, which you guys should definitely head over to. NJPW1972.com to read those columns that are written by Gabriel Kidd. And there is a specific blog entry where he talks about his upbringing and that he grew up mainly in Britain, even though his parents are of British and Irish descent. So he's mixed and there's nothing wrong about that. It was very interesting to know that because he just comes off as being British. I didn't suspect anything of him being Irish as well, which now makes a lot of sense. Anyway, that blog entry in particular got to me personally because I don't think I mentioned what I am on this podcast, but I am of Puerto Rican and Italian descent. And, you know, that sort of brought into perspective of how do you want the world to perceive you? Because in my case, because I have such a sharp nose, Puerto Ricans can't tell that I'm Puerto Rican sometimes, or they'll stare at me and they'll be like, what are you exactly? And then I would have to tell them what I am. Or I get the Puerto Ricans that automatically come up to me and they start talking Spanish and my Spanish is horrible. So half the time I'm going to be like, hey, I don't understand that well. And, you know, when I say that, they get really, 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 really upset because they're like, well, you're Puerto Rican. You should know Spanish. And I'm like, no, my main language is English. My Spanish is completely broken. And yeah, you have to live with it. And then I haven't even experienced what Italians would think of me because I don't really hang out with Italians like that. And even my Italian is really bad as well. So I just know English and I just know what it means and feels like to be an American. And I know what it's like to cook both Spanish dishes and Italian dishes. And you get the best of both worlds when you hang out with me. And 
I cook for everyone and anyone. And the point I'm trying to make is that because both him and I have such a mixed background and we have the best of both worlds, learning different cultures, different languages, different foods and traditions and myths and stories and everything you want to throw in there. It all comes down to grabbing an identity. And I remember in the blog post, he had mentioned that he wanted to do something for his Irish heritage, at least put something Irish on his wrestling gear. And, you know, he might be waiting for the day that he graduates from the dojo in order to make those tiny steps, which is all cool because people go to the speed that they're comfortable in. But I can already identify Yuya as being the brash, hot-headed wrestler that we see. And in the past couple of weeks, including this Road to Dantaku night one, that Yuya has definitely been a lot more frustrated and decided to don't give a fuck anymore and just go with it. So I could remember Yuya as that, as the young lion who doesn't give a fuck anymore and he's going to destroy people in his path, whether he loses, wins, draws, or even tag teams with people. As much as Suji is adorable and has a natural baby face feel to him, he decided to try and have a match with Naito by using Twitter to his advantage to try to get 55,000 likes in order to have that happen and have New Japan Pro Wrestling Management see that Suji wants this match with Naito and he's trying to create his own opportunities because, you know, I feel for all three of them. Gabriel Kidd, Suji, and Yuya, they're all stuck in this loop of being young lions and having to wrestle here and there may not always be on the biggest card and always be on the road to shows and do a lot behind the scenes as well for the wrestlers, giving them the ice packs, making sure that the barricades don't hit into the fans, making sure that the steps are there for the wrestlers. So all three of those young lions definitely work hard and I appreciate everything that they do on the surface level and even the under layers of that surface level. But Gabriel Kidd, if you ever listen to this podcast episode, this is just all feedback and advice that I normally and naturally give to other professional wrestlers in general in the business trying to give back to the wonderful sport that I love of professional wrestling so you don't really have to listen to this if you don't want to. Um, but the only thing that I do care about is that you don't wait too long to get your identity going because you're fantastic in the ring. You have all the foundations. You're doing amazing. And sometimes it might feel enough for the Japanese crowd, but you also want to get over here over on the States who watch you around the world. And sometimes the American fan base are not only fickle, but their attention span is so small that you have to do something exciting to get their attention. And you have all the tools in the world to make you a phenomenal wrestler, to make you one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. But do not wait too long to grab that identity or whatever you want to be, because... I don't even think American fans know too much about Gabriel Kidd unless they listen to my podcast episode. 
And that goes the same thing for Suji and Yuya and also for Hinare. That there's a small subsection on Twitter that knows about New Japan Pro Wrestling and knows about New Japan Strong and the Young Lions. But to open it up to the masses, I try my best. And I know others in the podcast space and also in the writing space try their best to get everyone over as much as possible. But I'm going to say it one more time. Do not wait too long to get an identity. After the opening contest, we now have a six-man tag match. We have the members of Suzuki-Goon, which are Desperado, Yoshinobu, and Minoru Suzuki taking on Sho, Yo, and Yuya. And this was the match that I was also excited for because watching Yuya grow and Yuya gaining this set of don't give a fuck attitude and a ballsy attitude. I want to see where Yuya goes with this and how far Yuya is going to get with this. And I think it just started just because Jay White decides to pick on him for fun times and have him be a model and also to hold him in a chair position. And so just tiny little antics like that, have definitely helped Yuya become the I don't give a fuck person that he is. And also all the times Jay White was like yelling in Yuya's ear and trying to get him to clap. Fun times. Very fun times. I miss Jay White. Jay White is not on this tour. We'll see him on May 3rd taking the belt off of Tanahashi, which I always have to throw in on these podcast episodes. Anyway. This six-man tag match definitely proved that Yuya can be a tag partner with Sho, even though both of them are very hot-headed and they are very similar in terms of attitude. Yo is the only one that balances out both Sho and Yuya. So if they ever need to switch tag team members, just in case if one gets injured and they know that Yuya can definitely step up and help them. Yo will be that calming guide to Yuya's flame. The same way that he is the calming guide to Sho's flame. And it works out. In this match, we had Yuya going straight for Suzuki. And again, Yuya does not give a fuck. Suzuki is one of the most intimidating wrestlers on the New Japan roster, in my opinion. And Yuya is just like, I'm just going to test the waters, see what he does. And Suzuki does what Suzuki does. And then during this match, all members of Suzuki Goon are working on Yo's knee and keeping the ring cut in half. The ending of the match had Suzuki doing a single leg Boston Crab to Yuya and this has Yuya tapping out, which gives the victory to Desperado, Yoshinobu, and Suzuki. After that six-man tag, we also have another six-man tag. The Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatanga, Tangaloa, who are our IWGP heavyweight tag team champions, teaming up with Jado to take on Dangerous Techers, which is Zack Zabel Jr. and Tai Chi, along with them is Doki. 
like I said in the previous podcast episodes that I need something fresh to this story. I can't believe we're still doing the story where Tamatanga and Taichi are going to have a ladder match for the Iron Fingers on May 3rd, which is night one of Wrestling Dantaku 2021. And if Zack Zaber Jr. can defeat Tangaloa on night one as well, May 3rd for Wrestling Dantaku 2021 in a singles match, then Dangerous Techers, Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi are granted a shot at those tag team championships that G.O.D. has firmly been holding on to for the past couple of months. No one has been able to dethrone them. This is why I'm not too excited for another Gorillas of Destiny versus Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi. I do know that Zack Zaber Jr. and Tai Chi can definitely go in the ring. However, once your partner is really obsessed and fixated on the Iron Fingers and allowed that to get the disqualification the last time at Castle Attack, I would have cut my losses. But that's just me. I wouldn't be carrying around dead weight when I know that I may be the best wrestler there is. But hey, here we are. We're pushing the story of G.O.D. taking on Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi only if and only if Zack Sabre Jr. can defeat Tungaloa. I do enjoy watching Zack Sabre Jr. and Loa fight each other whenever it comes to these tag team matches only because they are opposites of each other and they really put in the work and they make you feel like, oh, maybe Zach can get a one up on Tungaloa. And we all know that Loa is completely strength and power. And he definitely likes it when somebody can try to match the same power and strength that he has, or at least try because he lives for that. But Zack Sabre Jr. can definitely pull out a submission any time, anywhere during the match. And that makes me excited because now I want to see how Loa is going to get out of it. When Loa doesn't really do a lot of submissions, he doesn't really do a lot of technical wrestling whenever he's in the ring with Zack Sabre Jr. or in the ring with anyone else. Loa is there to beat the shit out of you and to make sure that he could get the victory over you by beating the shit out of you. That's why I'm interested to see how Loa versus Zack Zaber Jr. on night one of Wrestling Nantaku is going to go. But I will say on this podcast episode that Zack Zaber Jr. will not pick up the victory against Loa in his match on night one. Loa is going to defeat Zack Zaber Jr. and Dangerous Seckers will not get their title match against G.O.D. G.O.D. needs fresh new opponents in order to keep that belt legacy going. And I want to see something different. I want to see something creative. Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi already had their chance. And I think that another tag team in the heavyweight division should definitely be stepping up. Like we could do some fantasy booking right now. We could have the tag team of Hinare and Jeff Cobb teaming up to take on the Gorillas of Destiny and start pushing the narrative of United Empire versus Bullet Club. Since we have the newly formed tag team of Tanahashi and Kojima, they might want to throw their names into the hat and challenge the Gorillas of Destiny for their tag team championships. You get the idea. 
I just need some fresh matchups against Gorillas of Destiny because they are at the top of their game and they are champions for a reason and they really need good opponents to solidify themselves as the greatest tag team. So the ending of this match had Zack Zaber Jr., Tai Chi, and Doki winning. They did triple submissions on Tamatanga, Tungaloa, and Jado as well. And just to throw it in there, we're eventually going to get Jado versus Doki. I don't know when, but that's going to happen as well. The next match on the card is a 10-man elimination match. It is Bullet Club versus Chaos. On all the Road 2 shows, there's always a Bullet Club versus Chaos. I'm going to need like Bullet Club versus LIJ, Bullet Club versus United Empire, Bullet Club versus Suzuki Goon, which technically is already happening with Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi trying to take and dethrone the Gorillas of Destiny of their IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship titles. But again, that's not going to happen. But in general, I just need Bullet Club to go against other people other than Chaos if Gato and New Japan Pro Wrestling Management is not going to have Goto, Ishii, Yoshihashi drop those six men never open weight championship titles. Those titles should have been around the waist of Jay White, Tamatanga, and Tungaloa back at New Beginning. How do you stop the best momentum of those three men on Bullet Club after the horrible loss that Jay White suffered and delivered one of the best promos ever? That's still going to be the best promo in the world. His nine minute monologue that broke my heart. Anyway, you had three of the best. Jay White, Tamatanga, Tungaloa. Those two are still our IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. And that whole entire buildup during New Beginning for those six men never openweight championship titles, they should have dropped it then to Bullet Club. And that would have set a lot of things right in the world. We would have seen fresh matchups, we would have seen fresh storylines, and we definitely would have had a different direction for all three of those men. Because now G.O.D. would have had to pull double duty for defending the six man and defending the tag belts. But, you know, we didn't get any of that. We didn't get any fresh matchups. And I hope that when it comes to April 20th, which is still a Road to Dantaku series show, that the team of Yudro, Taiji, and Kenta can definitely dethrone Ishii, Goto and Yoshihashi of those six men never open weight tag team championship titles. Bullet Club at this point needs some gold because they're going to be working towards title defenses. And I know that they can start a lot more title defenses than the regular guys on New Japan Pro Wrestling. Definitely not to knock the Japanese workers at all. They all work very hard. But remember that the Japanese wrestlers who hold the championship titles, it takes a lot longer to get matches done because they uphold a tradition and they uphold their pride for those championship title belts. We haven't really seen a lot of let's fight for this, let's fight for that. People might feel differently only because how Bullet Club operates. But remember, if you have friends in high places, Bullet Club is always going to be there for their friends, whether or not they win, lose, or draw. 
and Bullet Club are probably the perfect people to have championships on and have other people go after them to build story because Bullet Club doesn't want to let go of any of their championships. So let the chase begin and let some new competition come into these storylines. So during this whole entire 10-man tag of Chaos versus Bullet Club for night one of the Road to Dantaku series, the winner is Bullet Club. Bullet Club managed to eliminate all members of Chaos by throwing them over the rope. I don't think anyone got a pin. I think it was mainly throwing them over the rope, which is one of the stipulations that can happen in a elimination match, New Japan style. The cool thing to mention about this match is that Kenta used Bochan to not get eliminated and that helped Kenta to get back into the ring and eliminated Yoshihashi to get the victory for Bullet Club. Love is super strong with Kenta and Bochan. And now we come to the main event of night one of the Road to Dantaku series, which is another elimination style match. You have LIJ taking on United Empire. For LIJ, it is Bushi, Naito, Sonata, and Shingo taking on Jeff Cobb, Great Okan, Will Ospreay, and Aaron Hanare. And this was a very good main event. I really do enjoy watching United Empire. As I said earlier, LIJ is growing on me because of Shingo and Sonata. Mainly Shingo, because Shingo has been going at top speed ever since the New Japan Cup and coming second in the finals of the New Japan Cup and not getting the victory over Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay is still our IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title that he took off of the self-proclaimed god of New Japan Pro Wrestling, Kota Ibushi. And coming up on May 4th, night two of Wrestling Dantaku 2021, I will say here right now that Will Ospreay will retain that IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. And then for his next opponent, Okada, Osprey will definitely be keeping that championship title. Now, let's discuss some more about the main event of night one. For night one, they had LIJ winning the elimination match. So it starts off with Hinari versus Sonata. Hinari has some really good speed on him. And as I review more of United Empire and Hinari and the Road to Dantaku series, Hinari has improved so much ever since joining United Empire back at Soccer Genesis, which wasn't that long ago. And they are giving Hinari such a huge platform to show people that he truly is an amazing talent. And I really do think that Hinari versus Sonata, Sonata brings something out of Hinari that looks very good, that works very well in this elimination match. Hinari does the Berserker Bomb, which is the Blue Thunder Bomb, but we're all going to refer to it as the Berserker Bomb. And that looked very powerful, very smooth, and it didn't put Sonata away, but it looked great. And... In this match, both Sonata and Hinari are eliminated. And I think they both got each other eliminated. I think that's how that worked. But regardless, this was just a little taste of what Hinari is capable of doing 
in night two we get a little bit more action from hinari to see how he grows and then night three was by far the best main event i've seen hinari in like i really enjoyed when hinari took on jy during the new japan cup but night three of dantaku in that main event man that was really good and i know i'm getting ahead of myself Anyway, Jeff Cobb comes in and he does the tour of the islands to eliminate Bushi. And then now we're down to Osprey and Cobb taking on Shingo because the rest of the United Empire has already taken out Naito and Great Okan. So Shingo is by himself. Shingo wants one-on-one opportunity to try to even the playing field because he knows that he is outnumbered, but that doesn't matter. Osprey and Jeff Cobb go straight after Shingo and Shingo manages to eliminate Cobb. And now we have Osprey versus Shingo. And these two always put on one hell of a performance. And I really do love seeing them in the ring. I'm all about very good storytelling when it comes to in-ring action. You guys know this. But at the end of this match, Shingo eliminates Will Ospreay with this throw that gets him over the top rope. And that is how LIJ wins. Shingo picks up the victory for LIJ. And this gives the United Empire a loss. But altogether... They all looked strong. They all look united. So I don't really think that the loss really matters that much. Normally, I would talk about backstage comments that happen after these matches, but I am going to end it there. There is a specific thing I want to talk about in the upcoming podcast episodes, especially when I'm talking about the road to Dantaku night three, because I'm only going to talk about the main event, which was Hinare and Will Ospreay teaming up to take on Shingo and Sonata. And I will probably break that match down and also break down the backstage comments and and explain the importance of having a foundation grounded in your story to try to get people to understand why you are now heal. It's a little bit more like adding complicated layers to a simplistic storytelling element in the world of professional wrestling. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been everything from yours truly, Marie Shadows, covering night one of the Road to Dantaku series. We're almost there heading into Wrestling Dantaku, May 3rd and May 4th. If you guys enjoyed night one of my review, make sure to show me some love. And this is how you can do that. Head over to anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. This podcast is on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And if you want to take it a step further, head over to www.ravagelands.com. And you can definitely support the podcast there, support the video podcast, and then also support the gaming and wrestling side of Ravage Lands as a whole. If you guys have Twitter, make sure you're following me at Marie underscore shadows. I love talking about professional wrestling with a lot of wrestling fans out there, and it would be great to connect with everyone on Twitter. 
Also remember that any feedback I give to specific wrestlers or wrestlers in general is just a way for me to give back to the greatest sport that I love. In no way, shape or form are you supposed to be using my feedback. But if you enjoy what I say and there's some logic and truth to it, I'm more than happy to go deeper and continue to do this and I'll do it anyway. Just because I love breaking down matches, breaking down characters and stories and how to elevate the best athletes in the world that can do it all, acting, defying physics and doing it all. So if I can be that help to you, that is fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys in the next one.